Hey, good morning, Victory. Hey guys, today we are wrapping up our Open Door series where we've been talking about the art of gospel neighboring. All right, and uh, if, if there's one big idea that we really want you to walk away with from this series, it's this big idea that proximity gives me responsibility. Come on, proximity gives me responsibility. Let's say that together. Proximity gives me responsibility. If you're one of those people who like Jesus had, come to him and say, hey, who's my neighbor? Neighbor equals nearest. Neighbor equals nearest. Who am I supposed to love? If I'm supposed to love my neighbor as I love myself, whoever's nearest to you is your neighbor because proximity gives me responsibility. And the reason why we're talking about this is because one of the most intimidating things in the world for most Christians is the idea of evangelism or sharing our faith. Come on, somebody. Are we honest in this place as a church? Can we be honest in church? No, I love evangelism. I love it. I'm really good at it. <laughs> right? Like it's no, the Great Commission is no secret to us. But d d like when somebody, like when, come on, you knew we were doing an evangelism series. Isn't part of you like, like don't you get frustrated? Because you're like, I know I'm supposed to do it. Don't tell me I'm supposed to do it. I already know I'm supposed to do it, but I'm not doing it. Right, we, it's no secret that Jesus says we're supposed to go make disciples, that we're supposed to lead people in love to him, but most of us aren't doing it. And here's, here's the reality, let's just be honest about this, okay? Is we come into church and we sing songs about Jesus, right? We open up our Bibles and we learn about Jesus. We close our eyes and we pray to Jesus. We praise Jesus. We raise up our kids so that they would serve Jesus. Some of us, even on Sunday mornings, we serve others in Jesus' name. We go to small group with other people who love Jesus to talk about Jesus. But then when we're actually supposed to go and talk about Jesus to people who don't know Jesus, we're like, do, do, do we sense the, the, the contradiction in our soul, right? You know, and some of us, when we talk about this, we get a little squirmy in our seats, and some of y'all are like, hey, I'm gonna let you finish, but I'm gonna be back, you know, when this series is over. And we've all got our reasons why we don't do it, right? Like, you know, I don't have the time, I'm not a pastor, I didn't go to seminary, I'm not an evangelist, I don't wanna make people mad. Like, we, we've all got our reasons for not doing it, but the bottom line is we're not doing it. But the good news is this, okay? Let's go ahead and get there. The good news of today is this, is that I'm here to tell you that most of us are just oh, way overcomplicating this whole thing. Okay, we are way overcomplicating what Jesus has called us to do. In fact, let's just kind of take a look at Jesus's last words on earth to his disciples here in Acts 1. Okay, this is actually what the, the whole vision of the church is built on. Acts 1, let's back it up to verse 6. It says, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him. In other words, yeah, yeah, you, you guys have kids like tugging on your, your shirt, right? This is what they're doing. Lord, has the time come yet for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? And Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. Witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends 
of the earth. And I love this, guys. I love how this plays out, okay? The disciples are just pestering Jesus and pestering Jesus and nagging Jesus, okay? Is it time for the end yet, Jesus, right? Jesus just died for the sins of the world. He rose again like Jesus is alive. They're like, Jesus, are you about to kill the Romans? Are you about to kill the occupiers? Are you gonna restore the glory of Israel? Is it time for the kingdom to come? And Jesus replies, guys, I'm not pulling you out of this world. I'm sending you into this world. Come on, guys. Way too many, let's fast forward 2,000 years from this moment. Way too many Christians are still trying to get out of this world when Jesus is sending us into this world. Come on, we disengage. We get in our holy huddles. We just hang out with Christians. We point a finger at the world. Look at those sinners going to hell. They deserve it. We judge, we cancel, right? Just like everybody else. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, guys, guys, the mission isn't over. The mission's just getting started. He says, I'm about to bounce. And when I do, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit to empower you to be my witnesses in your families, come on, in the communities, in the cultures, and even to the nations. And Jesus says, guys, it's time to pop your Christian bubble. That's really what he's saying. He's saying, guys, here, here's one of our problems as Christians. Let's just be honest. We, we, we've, we've cocooned into the good news right? We, uh, we know that our past is forgiven. Our present is glorious. Our future is secure. And sometimes Jesus has to pop that bubble and get, get us to lift our eyes up and remind us that a vast majority of the people that we see every single day, that the stain of their sins is still on them and that their future only holds judgment. And what the, a dying and a lost and a curious world needs is for Christians to be witnesses. And that word witnesses is what we get messed up. And because we don't know what a witness is and what a witness does, we aren't witnesses. And I'm here today to tell us, guys, we've overcomplicated this whole thing, all right? So this is the journey today, okay? Can we just go on this journey for the next few minutes? How do we respond to Jesus's Final words in the flesh on earth when he asked, can I get a witness? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Can y'all can just remember back when you were just a little bitty growing up in church? Can I get a witness? Right, that's what Jesus is asking for, okay? So how do we do that? How do we become witnesses of the good news, okay? This isn't something we're ashamed of. How do we become witnesses? Okay, here's the first thing. We gotta share a story. All right, now, now here's what I mean. Here, l- l- allow me to dive into this, okay? Let's, let's revisit Jesus' last word there in Acts 1, 8. Maybe there's something you've never noticed before. Acts 1, verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Notice the word be right here, okay? Jesus says you will be my witnesses. Notice what he does not say. Jesus does not say, you will do witnessing. Okay, I, I, I don't want us to raise our hands on this, but I, I don't think many of us like doing witnessing. Okay, it's awkward, right? Like handing out tracts and knocking on doors. 
And excuse me, sir, have you heard about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Like, <laughs> like chasing people down, like it's awkward. Now listen, if you still roll like that, God bless you. If you stand out on the street corner, Jesus is coming back soon, God bless you. Okay, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you would also notice that the effectiveness of that strategy has, has diminished over the decades, all right? And God can use all things to reach all people. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that, okay? But here's what we have to understand. Witnessing isn't what you do. Witnessing is who you are. Okay, a witness is a noun before it's ever a verb. You are a witness, before you ever witness, you're a witness. A witness is a person. So what's a witness? What's a witness? A witness is someone who communicates accurately what they have personally seen, heard, and experienced. A witness is somebody who communicates accurately what they have personally seen, heard, and experienced. So let me give you an example. All right, church is over today. All right, you walk outside, you see a car accident right out here in the front. Okay, the police are gonna ask you, what, what are they gonna ask you? what you saw, what you heard, what you experienced. If it goes all the way to it, they might, in an extreme situation, they might actually call you to come into court to be a witness. Now, here's the question. Do you have to go to witnessing school <laughs> to be a witness? Do, do, you, do you have to know how to drive a car to be a witness? Do you have to go to automotive school to learn how brakes work? Do you have to understand the principle of Newtonian physics to be a witness? No, man. Tell them the red one hit the white one. That's what they want to know. That's what I saw. That's what I heard. That's what I experienced. Don't make anything up. In fact, you, you get in trouble if you make things up when you're called to be a witness. Just tell of what you've personally seen and heard and experienced. That's what a witness does. Okay, go with me for just a second. Let's, let's throw a picture of my family up here, okay? It's been a while since I bragged on my family. All right, you guys, you guys know my amazing wife, Summer. Um, she just preached us a few weeks ago. I mean, I, come on, fellas. You know, like, you can't adequately define, describe your wife. Here's, here's the best way I can describe my wife. If Summer had married somebody else, he would be the pastor of victory. That's the best way I know how to, she is, she is the good in my life, okay? Um, then, then over there on the left, we got Jeremiah. Jeremiah just turned 17. Um, he's Mr. Baseball. Uh, he's, he's coming into his own. He would probably want me to tell you that he's very single. <laughs> he's amazing. He's the joy of my life, my firstborn. Then we got Isaac over here on the, thir uh, on the right. He's 13. Um, Isaac is our bundle of, of energy. He is legitimately hilarious. Um, he's, uh, he's our artist. Uh, he loves to draw, he loves to paint. Um, he's a swimmer. He, he wants to take Krav Maga. I don't, I mean, he just wants to beat people up, I think, because uh, he has an older brother. I think that's what we do. That's my family, okay, that's my family. All right, let, let me tell you what I just did. I was just a witness of my family. I was a witness of my family. I told you things that I know, that I personally seen, heard, and experienced. I didn't make anything up. 
all right? I wasn't like, well, you know, I mean, no, like that's my family. That's what I know. Like that's what I go home to. That's, I know the stories. Like if you want me to explain more, I can even explain more. Like, cause I've seen it, I've heard it, I've experienced it. And listen, it is a joy to be a witness of my family. Like, do you ever open up your phone and you're like, there's them and there's them and there's them and there's them. Some of your witnesses of your dogs are like, oh, look, look, fluffy, like fluffy, it's so amazing. Like look at him right here, right? Why? Because it's, it's, we are hardwired to share good news. That's what we do. We're not ashamed of good news. It is, not, it is not difficult for me to witness, to testify, to tell you stories about my family because they're the second best thing in my life after Jesus. It's not hard to get me to talk about my family and it shouldn't be hard to talk about Jesus either because all you have to do is to know some of the things that Jesus has done in your life. That's what a witness is. So I'm gonna make a, uh, maybe a bold statement to you, okay? Is you don't have to know the Bible to be a witness. All you have to do is know Jesus. Now you do need to know your Bible. Don't misquote me on that. Some of y'all just got really excited. <laughs> You're like, I can't even find Philippians, but that's okay. I mean, you know, I've been a Christian for 40 years, you know? Every single one of us needs to know the Bible. That, like that, that's where we get to know God's character. That's where we can be better witnesses. That's where we can defend the faith and explain the faith and be witnesses in grace and truth, okay? But a person who's been saved for five minutes can be a witness, okay? Because a witness is simply somebody who tells of what they've seen and what they've heard and what they've experienced. And here, here's one of the problems, guys. I talk to people all the time who kind of hide behind this thing of like, well, I, I, don't, I don't really have a good story. Like, I don't have a, I have a boring story. Like, I didn't murder anybody. I wasn't a drug addict. I wasn't a teenage runaway, right? I didn't have a crazy life. Awesome! Because guess what? A lot of other people didn't have crazy lives either. And because they didn't have crazy lives, they think that they don't need Jesus. So maybe you have different examples from other people. Your, your, your rap sheet is a little bit shorter. You don't have mug shots. But the one common thread in all of our stories is that all of us were lost, but now we're found. We were dead in our sins and our transgressions, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy has made us alive in Christ Jesus. That's the common thread that runs through all of our stories. And that's why all of our stories matter because God can use your story to reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, some of y'all know, know a little bit of my story. Like, I grew up in church, right? My dad was the pastor. I was a relatively good kid compared to everybody else. But I was full of so much insecurity. I was a slave to lust, right? And I was completely purposeless. But then somebody told me what Jesus did for me, right? That on the cross, that Jesus took my guilty plea so I could be innocent. And when I place my faith in what Jesus has done for me. I get his innocence. That his forgiveness becomes, his purity becomes my forgiveness. And through that work, I'm brought back into the original story that God was telling for this world. And then when I heard that, the light went on in my head. I realized that just, oh, now it makes sense. Just going to church doesn't fix all these things. What fixes all these things is actually giving Jesus control of my life. 
And when I did that, my life instantly changed in a radical way. I knew I was forgiven. I knew that God was my father. And now with that truth, my life started slowly lining up with that truth. Come on, this is what I'm talking about. There's an instant change and then a gradual change, which in the Bible we call sanctification. Like we are holy and we're being made holy all at the same time. And so over time, my insecurities began fading. My anger began fading. My lust began fading. And then all of a sudden I became, started becoming a new person. I knew why I was alive now. I actually had purpose. I knew that I was loved. I knew that God smiled when he thought about me and my life started lining up with that. And over the years, I've had a thousand encounters with God. He's healed me. He saved me. He's loved me. He's changed me. He's changed my marriage. He's changed my kids. He set us up for a future. Now I can tell you, with 100% honesty that I do not fear death. I'm a free man in Jesus' name. And that's what being a witness is. I'm just telling you what I've personally seen, heard, and experienced. That's what a witness is. And the Bible says the same thing. The Bible says the same thing. This is so good, guys. The religious leaders told Peter and John to stop preaching in Jesus' name, Acts 4, uh, 20. They say, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. Paul says God told him in Acts 22 that you are to be a key witness to everyone you meet of what you've seen and what you've heard. The entire New Testament is a witness of the disciples telling you of what they've seen and heard. First John 1, 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. In John 9, Jesus heals a blind man. And then the Pharisees start accusing. You remember this. Pharisees start accusing Jesus of being a sinner. And they bring the blind man before them. And they say, hey, is Jesus a sinner? Here was his reply. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. (laughs) Listen, you may not have all the training to be able to debate or defend the gospel, You may not have gone to witnessing school or seminary or anything like that, but you are a topic expert on one thing, your own experience, your own experience. In John 4, Jesus meets a woman at a well. He loves her well at that well, and she comes to faith in him. John 4, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And then many of the Samaritans in that town, from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Here's what I love, guys. This woman had put her faith in Jesus like 10 minutes before this. And then she realizes, Jesus just changed my life. I just met the well of living water. The thing I've been looking for my entire life. It's so real, it's so true, it's so transformative. I know what I have to do. I have to just tell people that they've gotta come meet this Jesus. And then pretty much the whole town gets saved. Guys, every single person who's a Christian can be a witness. Every single person who's a Christian can be a witness. Why? Because you've got a story and your story is not my story. Praise God. Because that means you can reach people that I can't reach and I can reach people that you can't reach and together we can reach the whole world. Because God has done a work in our lives. How will people be helped if we hide the miracle? If I don't tell you how God has transformed my marriage, how can that help your marriage? If you don't tell other people how God healed you, how, how can God use you to help be a part of their healing story? 
If you don't tell how God transformed your life, how are you gonna help God transform their life? And guys, here's one of the greatest things about your story is that people can argue with scripture, but they can't argue with your story, right? Because it's real, man. It's your life, it's your story. If they ask you a question you don't know the answer to, be like the blind man. Listen, I don't know about dinosaurs. I don't know about aliens or UFOs, like I don't. There's conspiracy theories, I know all that stuff. But listen, I haven't seen, heard, experienced, like I, I'm, not, I'm not a topic expert on that stuff, right? I don't know why bad things happen to good people. Like I, I, could, I, you know, I could give you some stuff on that, but here's one thing I do know. Jesus changed my life and he can change your life too. And God has created a story that is uniquely yours and the world around you needs it. And so I wanna encourage you at some point this week, sit down and write out a two-minute version of your story. That's a, that's a lunch table, quick version of your story. When you write out the two-minute version, boil it down to a 30-second version. Because that way, you can give the elevator pitch, if you ever heard that one before, right? Like, don't bore somebody, like, well, and then when I was seven, oh, God, like, don't be that guy, you know what I'm saying? But like, can, can you give part of your story? Then if they ask questions, like you can expound on it. But let's be people who can actually give an answer when people ask us for the reason for the hope that we have. And his name is Jesus. And for those of us who have seen and heard and experienced him, let's be witnesses and let's tell our story. And for us to do that, we're gonna have to be able to tackle through these last two things, okay? So how do I become a witness? Here's the second thing. We have to be set free from the fear of man. We have to be set free from the fear of man, okay? On our journey of being a witness of the life, the death, the resurrection, the teaching, um, the reality of Jesus Christ, um, one of our biggest obstacles, one of our biggest hurdles is the fear of man. The fear of man is the fear of people's opinions, it's, it's, the, it's the fear of, of, of stepping out because of what might happen. It's, it's, it's um, compromising your convictions because of how other people might respond. And Proverbs 29, 25 says, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And the fear of man will quench the will of God in your life because the fear of man is a prison. And that is a, listen, I know that prison. I know what the inside of those walls look like. I decorated the place. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know the fear of man. I lived in that prison for a really long time. By, by nature, um, I hate conflict. I'm just telling you. It, it's like, oh God. Like, it gives me the, it makes me want to just puke. Like, it, it's the queasy, I strive for peace. I'm, listen, listen. Okay, this is me. You want to, like, you want to know Johnson, okay. I'm the guy that if the waitress brings the wrong food, I'm like, oh, thanks, this is awesome. <laughs> this is great. This is probably what I wanted all along anyways, <laughs> right? You know, like, I'm so glad you didn't write down my order because you thought you'd remember it and then you went to the back and you messed it up. Like, that's what I wanna say, but I don't. And I'm like eating it with like, oh, this is gross, so bad. And Summer's like, just tell him. No, I'm not gonna tell him. I wanna tell him. Um, Summer is the one in our family who handles all the telemarketer calls, right? I can't do it. I'm too nice. Like I hear Summer and I'm like, babe, you gotta, you gotta be nice to these people. My goodness gracious. <laughs> That's real, man. That is so real. 
So for a very long time, I was, I was kept in the prison of opinion. I was kept in the, listen, it, it made me look like a great friend, but it was so dysfunctional. And it made me a terrible boss because I wouldn't confront people when they messed up. And so it just created this culture, right, of like, well, anybody can just get away with anything, right? And here's what it did. Here's what the fear of man did. It made me afraid to share my faith. Because I know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get in the conflict. But God doesn't want us to live in fear, guys. God doesn't want us to live in fear. I, I remember um, years ago, I saw Pastor Rick Warren on a talk show, and they were like beating him up about his biblical stance on homosexuality, right? And here was his response. I love this. It became part of my soul. He said, listen, guys, I love you but I fear the disapproval of God more than I fear your disapproval. And man, did that do something in my heart. John, John 15, here's what Jesus says, verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. Oh, come on, somebody, you're about to get set free. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. A ser- Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. And I don't know about you, but on this journey of opening up our doors, opening up our hearts, opening up our lives, I needed to hear that. And Jesus's word started to, to crack the door of the, the, of the prison walls of my heart open and breaking me free from the, the, from the fear of man. Listen, I need to know that Jesus is with me in the conflict I need to know that I'm not alone. I need to know that one of the times I'm most like Jesus is when people are hating on me and saying wicked things about me. I need to know that no weapon formed against me will ever prosper. I need to remember that I'm a child of God through faith in Jesus, that my identity is rooted in what he says about me and nobody else gets a vote. And Jesus promises in Acts 1.8 that we're gonna get power. That word power is dunamis, which, which is where we get the word dynamite from, that Jesus says we're gonna get dynamite when the Holy Spirit comes upon our lives. And in 1997, uh, at UGA, I was praying, God, no more fear, no more fear, no more fear, no more fear, because I didn't wanna be afraid to talk about Jesus on campus. And as I was praying, God, no more fear, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Listen, I want you to know what happened. I, listen, what I was really saying was, God, deliver me from fear. God did not take away the fear. God gave me his spirit. And his spirit gave me confidence, empowered me over the fear of man. His power empowered me over the fear of man. Do I still have moments of weakness? Absolutely. But listen, guys, who I am today is not who I was then. And it is because of the work of God in my life, delivering me. I, I, I don't use that word lightly. Delivering me from the spirit of the fear of man. To the point where today I can say this. This is, this is literally one of my life mottos. I want you to like me, but I don't need you to like me. I want you to like me, but I don't need you to like me. Because if I need you, I can't lead you. And if I live 
for your acceptance, then I'll die by your rejection. And I pray that that becomes your same reality as well, right? I want you, I want people to like me. I don't want to be a jerk. I don't want to be hated, but listen, I don't need you to like me because there's somebody who already likes me a whole lot. (laughs) And, And what he says matters and nobody else at the end of the day gets a vote, right? Right? And, and if I need people, I can't lead people because now I'm a slave to what they think about me. And I'll modify what I say to try and get likes on Instagram. But listen, listen, here's the whole idea, guys. If, if all we do, like on a platform even, is say things to get likes, then we're building an audience. And we don't need an audience, we need an army. Because an, ar- an audience claps, but an army fights. And this world doesn't need more people who clap. This world doesn't need more people who sit in services on Sunday mornings. This world needs more people who get marching orders and go out there and be witnesses and change the world. Who are set free, delivered from the fear of man. That doesn't mean I'm detached. That doesn't mean I don't care. I do deeply care. But here, listen, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, Nate. Not, not, Not those who are, blessed are those who are persecuted for being a jerk. All right, some of us take delight in being persecuted. I don't take delight in being persecuted, especially when it's my fault. I think sometimes Jesus is like, you actually kind of deserve that one, son. Like, I love you enough to tell you that, right? But I've decided that I can't allow the opinions of people to be the roller coaster that I ride on. Come on. You'll be up one day, down the next, up one day, down the next. I, 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 I'm... I'm not the mailman. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the one who wrote the letter. I'm just the mailman. Okay, so people hate me. They're not really hating me. They're hating Jesus, all right? And so, and so like, can we be okay with that? Can we okay, be okay with being hated? Because Jesus actually says this, like, woe to you when everybody loves you because you're probably looking a little bit too much like the world. So it's not a rejection thing for him anymore because hate is gonna hate, right? Some people are angry if they don't have something to be angry about. And so you just happened to be in the crosshairs that day, and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to to say truth. I should have compromised for you so you wouldn't be upset with me. Oh, man, there's a way to be full of grace and to be full of truth. And at the end of the day, it's not my my job (laughs) to control you. It's not my job to convict you, right? It's my job to be obedient to Jesus and leave the results in his hands. But I can't be a slave. I can't be a slave to you. I can't be a slave to what you think about me. So how do I get set free from the fear of man? I know who I am. I know whose I am. Come on, somebody. I know no weapon formed against me will prosper. Some of you just need to wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, no weapon formed against me will prosper. I know that I'm never more like Jesus than when I'm persecuted. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit to open my mouth and to tell the good news of the story of what God has done in my life. I can't be silent. I can't be silent. I can't be silent. I won't be silent. God has been too good to me for me to be silent and I ain't gonna let no rock outcry me. Come on, I gotta be a witness. And to everyone struggling with the fear of man, here, here's an encouragement. What if, we, what if we turned our what if fear into what if faith, right? Come on, what if they reject me if I share my faith? Well, listen, what if, what if God opens their heart and they respond? Let's stop being glasses half empty. Come on, like, well, what if I ask to pray for her and she says no? What if he has to pray for her and she says yes and a miracle breaks out and God opens up her heart right there on the spot? We've got to stop allowing the devil to control us with the fear of what if it fails and start stepping into God faith of what if it succeeds. 
What if it succeeds? Because my faith is not in people's opinions. My faith is in the opinion of God over my life. And he says, I'm blessed and I am highly favored. I, I, he, it gave him great joy when he thought about adopting me. I'm a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ and nobody else gets a vote. And so now I can live by grace and truth and be a witness of what God has done in my life. Amen. Set free from the fear of man. So how do I become a witness? I gotta share my story, I gotta get set free, and the third thing is this, I gotta redefine the win. I gotta redefine the win. Guys, I love our, I love our swing for the fences mentality when it comes to evangelism, right? Like, like our idea, just go there with me, okay? Um, our idea of a win is we sit down with Bob, who's a, who's a hostile atheist, and we, we open up John three sixteen. And all of a sudden, this, this ray of light comes down. Oh, the angels are singing in heaven. His countenance changes. He starts crying. His heart opens up. Oh, God, I repent. I'm such a dirty sinner. And they recite the sinner's prayer right there on the spot. Um, and when it doesn't happen like that, we're like, well, that failed. Right? And we give up and we stop trying, but it doesn't work like that. So yes, guys, listen, yes, we want people to repent of their sins. Yes, we want people to come to faith in Jesus. Yes, we wanna see people become disciples of Jesus Christ, but we need to be reminded today, it doesn't happen all at once. So maybe we need to redefine our win. And the Apostle Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I planted the seed in your hearts, Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. Listen, I, I love working with plants. I'm the green thumb guy, all right? Um, I've, I was out in my yard multiple times this week because I know you're curious, and it's a beautiful time of the year, planting, watering, it's lovely. And one of the most patience-testing things in the whole world is when you plant a seed. This is why nobody plants seeds anymore. They just go to Home Depot. <laughs> Let other people do the work, and they just stick it in the ground, okay? But when you plant a seed... It's one of the most patience-testing things, right? Because you gotta dig a hole, you gotta put it in the ground, you gotta cover up, you gotta fertilize it, and then you water 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 it, and right when you're about to give up and walk away, right, it peaks up through the ground. And then the sunlight gives it light, and over time it grows. You care for it, you tend to it, and eventually it starts bearing fruit. And Paul says that a person is just like that. The seed of the gospel is planted. Fertilizer comes. The fertilizer of loving encounters with Christians. It gets watered through experience. It gets watered by truth. It gets watered by grace. It gets watered by love. God is doing, listen, God is doing a miracle beneath the surface before you can even see it. And then there comes a moment of glorious breakthrough of faith, but that thing is still very young and very small, it could be crushed in just a moment. But when you lovingly as a gardener tend to it and feed it and expose it to the light and expose it to, 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 to water, as you continue to fertilize it with love, it begins to grow, it gets discipled, and then it begins to bear fruit and it bears fruit that remains. It doesn't happen all at once. And the research still says that it takes six, seven, eight times for a person to see and hear the gospel before they respond. 
And here's the question I want us to ask ourselves, right? What number are we in the process? What number are we? Praise God when we're number seven, right? If you've been a part of like that harvest moment, like there's nothing like that in the world, man. Like I actually get to do that a lot. I'm number seven a lot because in this, these environments, God opens people's, people's heart, right? I get to reap what I did not sow. I fully acknowledge that, right? But when we have an encounter with someone, when we share, when we love, when, when we spend time, when we invest in, but the skies don't part and the angels don't sing and repentance doesn't break out, right? Can we just simply say, well, I guess I was just number five. I guess I was number three. Praise God he used me to be number four. Here's the idea, guys. We are corporately planting a field together. Some plant, some water, but God makes it grow. And so what we need to do is redefine our win of witnessing. What's a win? A win is knowing your neighbor's name. A win is talking to your neighbor instead of like, what if you actually like stopped and rolled the window down? You guys wouldn't even know what to do. He'd be like, and you'd be like, because <laughs> nobody does that. You just, mm, <laughs> lived next to you for 40 years. I don't even know your name, right? Like inviting somebody over for movie night, right? Mowing your neighbor's lawn, praying for a neighbor, praying with a neighbor, sharing your story with a neighbor, inviting a neighbor to summer at the movies, uh, doing a food drive in your neighborhood. These are all wins. The win is ultimately throwing off the fear of man and just saying, God, I'm gonna step out in faith and I'm gonna be a witness. I'm gonna play my part, whether it's one, two, three, four, five, six. I pray at seven, but all I can do is play my part and then leave the results in your hand. It's not my job to convince. It's not my job to control. It's not my job to chase them down. I'm just gonna share and show what a life with Jesus looks like. And so Victory Family, let me say it like this. We, I don't know if you realize it or not, but we've been on a journey this year, really stretching back in, until last January, about two years, okay? But we've been on a journey, especially this year, where we started off the year with Fully Alive, this series Fully Alive, talking about this idea of emancipating greatness, once again, using our unique God-given gifts and talents and abilities, right, to be a light to the world around us. We went from there into Holy Spirit, talking about how the Holy Spirit is our friend on this journey. Then we went to the gospel and talking about the breadth and the beauty of this glorious gospel that we carry. Now we're here on Open Doors. And we're talking about how do we be spirit-empowered witnesses of this gospel into the world around us. So as we close this series out, here's what I'm really trying to say. This is not the idea of what's next, right? Let's move on to money, right? Let's move on to, to blessed series or something like that. No, what my prayer is, can this actually become part of who we are? Can we be a people who are fully alive? How do we become fully alive? We become spirit-empowered, open-door people who are witnesses of the breadth and the beauty of the gospel. And as we close this series out, here's what I wanna do. Let's just bow our heads, and I wanna pray this prayer over you that God spoke over Paul. I wanna pray this prayer over you. Acts 26. This is what God says, and he says it to us as well. I'm sending you off to open the eyes of the outsiders so they can see the difference between dark 
and light and choose light. To see the difference between Satan and God and choose God. I'm sending you off to present my offer of sins forgiven and a place in the family, inviting them into the company of those who begin real living by believing in me. And Father, right now, here at Victory, we accept the call of being sent. God, we acknowledge that the Great Commission was not a suggestion, <laughs> it was a mandate, but it's not a burden, it's our joy. We have so radically and lovingly and beautifully been changed by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. We just have to tell the world about about who you are, about what you've done. And right now, I, well, here's what I wanna do. I wanna open that door up to every single one of us to come into the kingdom through faith in Jesus. This is it a beautiful moment, okay? God doesn't keep that door closed. And in fact, he says, until your dying breath, that door is open and the invitation is here today to respond to the finished work of Jesus Christ. And if today you want into the kingdom through faith in Jesus, through bowing your knee and giving him control of your life, I just want to ask you to do this here in this room and online as well. Let's lift up our hands. Say, if today, say yes to Jesus. <sighs> Father, thank you that the door is open. Thank you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no one who comes to the Father except by, the, by him. Thank you, Jesus, for the finished work. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Thank you, Jesus, that there is no name above your name. And here's what I wanna do. Let's pray this together, okay? Some of you are, some of you are stepping into faith for the first time, and I, I just want us as a big family to pray this together. Let's, let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, you are the Son of God who died for my sin, and today I respond to that. I repent of my sin. I turn from my wicked way, and I turn to Jesus. Right now, I give you control of my life. You are not just my savior. You are my Lord. You're my king. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me new. I receive it right now. I am forgiven and I am free. I'm a child of God. I am born again. I am new and I will tell you are good in Jesus' name. Come on, let's do this in this moment. Let's just lift our hands up to the Lord. This is our sign of surrender in this moment. In Acts 1-8, Jesus says that you're gonna get power to be witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So right now, here, here's what I wanna ask you to do. In fact, let's just do this, okay? Let's put our hands down just for a minute here. If today you say, God, I wanna be a witness, I just want you to lift your hands up. Okay, let's reset the room like that, okay? So right now, Father, according to Jesus' promise in Acts 1-8, Father, I pray for a, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. God, upon those of us who are 
responding to the call to be a witness of the glorious grace and truth of Jesus Christ. Father, sweep through this space, sweep through online. God, empower us with the Spirit of God. God, over the fear of man. In fact, right now, I rebuke the fear of man off the people of God. We will not be held in the slavery to this demonic spirit any longer. We are free indeed. God, we are who you say we are, and nobody else gets a vote. <laughs> God, may it be true in our heart that we want people to like us, but we don't need people to like us because we've been set free by Jesus to be people of grace and truth who are free of the fear of man. And Father, right now, I pray that you would remind us of what you've done in our life, build that story on the inside of us. God, especially those of us who think that we have a boring story, God, I pray that you would refresh us, open up our eyes to see it, open up our ears to experience it. God, remind us of what we've seen and heard and witnessed firsthand. And God, I'm praying right now that you would give us this glorious thing called a burden. God, people with a burden will do things that people without a burden would never do. And God, I'm praying that you would give us a burden for the lost. God, that you would give us a burden for our family members. God, that you would give us a burden for lost spouses and lost children and wayward cousins and moms and dads and coworkers and family and friends and neighbors. God, give us a burden in our heart that will drive us to go be witnesses. Filled with boldness of the good news of Jesus Christ. And God, I'm praying that every day when we wake up, you would help us to open up our eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest and that you would send us out to be laborers in that harvest, to be witnesses of what we've seen and heard and experienced for the glory of God and for a great harvest in our generation, for hell to be empty, heaven to be populated, for the lost to be found and the found to be made disciples for your glory and for your fame in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Hey guys, as we close out this series, let's do this, okay? Let's do this. Let's take these last three or four minutes really seriously and let's stand to our feet. We're gonna sing a song that we sang earlier, but maybe we can sing it with some renewed conviction today as we pray and we respond and we say, God, here I am, send me.